So, <laughs> hi, I'm Cassie. Oh, I don't say so. It's not in quotes. <laughs> okay. Hi, I'm Cassie. <laughs> and I'm Lee. And this is Wild, Wild Stories, Stories Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh, oh as we always do, we start with a bang. Um so <laughs> this this podcast is all about anything creepy, bizarre, weird, whatever. We just wanted to have fun with it. Uh this is episode 6. Cassie, what's it about? Good old huntings. <laughs> <laughs> yes, people, she's reading from a script. <laughs> Oh my god, I love it. Okay, so yeah, haunting. So this is really like where we we kind of diverged, which I think is cool because I went for like ghostly house hauntings and then you went a totally different route, but it works because it's like demons, spirits, ghosts, you know, all of those things, culture guys, they haunt, Right. right? Yeah, it, I somehow got pulled down a rabbit. Like, you know how when you're like following an Instagram hashtag and you're like, how did I get here? That's like exactly what happened with the whole possession thing. You're on your like ex-ex boyfriend's cousin's sister's yes. page. Yeah, yeah like the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon or whatever. <laughs> so funny. Oh my God. So that's pretty much what happened, except it, it was with demons and Satan. <laughs> it does you know that's you know naturally yes (laughs) oh my god that's excellent so uh we have a submission um shall we read the submission first yeah let's do it do you want to read it since it's from your friend yes okay okay here we go my first apartment out of college was in downtown salem massachusetts oh god this is already creepy (laughs) Uh, i've been there twice Really? I love it. I lived in a district of the city that was known for its big, beautiful buildings and historic architecture. I had a roommate, and as you know, Salem has a reputation for all things supernatural, so we used to joke about ghosts whenever we would get into an argument. He complained that I would leave the cabinets open, though it wasn't me. We would hear strange noises, things would be moved or missing, and just general silliness. Just general ghost silliness. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> standard. (laughs) We had a strange draft and sometimes I would even feel movement at the foot of my bed. Oh God. We always blamed it on each other. Our imaginations never taking it seriously. Shortly after he moved out, I noticed that the strange occurrence never stopped. I knew that it wasn't me leaving all the cabinets open. Oh God. I knew that there was no one else in the house to be making strange noises. So I came to accept the fact that I probably had a friendly ghost. Later that year, when I began packing up to move as well, the ghost got very active. Playing Uh with all the kitchen cabinets was his favorite. Every time I would leave the kitchen, when I came back in a different, a different cabinet would be open. My apartment was in the old servant's quarters of the house. So we had a dumb waiter in the you know back. What that is it, no. It's like you open a cupboard door and there's like a, a teeny tiny mini elevator. Oh my god! And you oh, put like your, so creepy. your food or stuff on it, and you can send it up or down. Okay, or whatever. Okay, we had that in the back of the apartment that we would also leave. That would also leave open or make noise. One time I had friends over and we were watching a movie when suddenly it switched to an old timey black and white silent film. We could not get it to shut off and the channel would not change. We had to unplug the TV and replug it in to get it back to our movie. Oh God. 
One night I was sitting in my bed watching TV and finishing some work on my laptop. I felt the movement at the foot of my bed, except now I had a new pet cat. So I turned to greet my cat and instead I watched the pillow indent. Oh my God. With the shape of an adult human being's head. Oh, hell no. The ghost was laying next to me in bed. (laughs) Unfortunately, I want to say if it was Cassie, she might have been like, ooh. (laughs) I'd have been like, hey, 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 ghost. (laughs) You look like the guy from Smallville. So funny. Oh, my God. I couldn't even know. It's true. Come on. Let's be honest. She said it was a him, so – you know, oh, that's so funny. Okay. In general, I'm not afraid of spirits, but this seemed like an invasion of my personal space. I slept the night on the couch. The ghost would turn my air conditioner on and off. The ghost would rock my water bottle back and forth from side to side. Every time I tried to get it on film, the bottle would stop or my camera would malfunction. My best friend and I decided the next day to go through the house and take photos while talking to the ghost. You could see orbs, um, strange streams of light, even though it was nighttime. But the creepiest of all was the face that you could see hovering above my couch in a white mist. The camera would never work properly again, and we could never get the photos on the computer. Wow. (laughs) The little hauntings continued until I moved. I did some research and found that the owner had been involved in a myrtle... Myrtle? (laughs) Myrtle Beach? Myrtle, myrtle. (laughs) In a murder trial in the 1800s, but it was a large building and they had had many servants. So I suspect the ghost could have been anyone. He felt friendly and I never felt afraid, but I figured he must have been lonely to want my attention so badly. Talk soon, Jamie. Wow. He sounds sweet, but like like too much. Like you can't. You cannot be sleep next to me. Yeah. Personal space. He came on a little strong. <laughs> a little cuddle. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's <laughs> so creepy. Yeah. And I've heard of that too. Like when you try to capture images, um, mm-hmm. the frequency, you know, because they're such a high vibrational frequency that it, it'll mess mm-hmm. with um, electronics and make them like short out and stuff. Mm-hmm. So crazy. That's a good point. I wonder about like the darker entities though. Yeah, true. How they capture. Although if you Google yeah. that, I, you know, but you never know what's real and what's not. So that's why you need to right. come out to Ireland and we need to go and investigate ourselves. Oh, oh, <laughs> Make I it know. happen. With all your joke cracking the last episode, <laughs> my God, we could like appeal to some comedy show. <laughs> well, it's so weird because I don't even really remember like I'll go back and listen to it and I'll be like, oh God, I can't believe I said that. <laughs> like how many times do I have to say cocks in one episode? <laughs> you were really excited that I said that. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's I had like moved on and you're like, I know. <laughs> oh God, it's terrible. <laughs> so Excellent. Funny. It makes for good content. <laughs> okay. So um, I have Lindsay's story and that is going to be trial and error. Okay. But we can try. She has. She told me this story before, and mm-hmm. it's super duper eerie. Um, okay. Unfortunately, she has to like omit certain things be, out of respect mm-hmm. for the people who live there. Wow. Um, and they're not really like they don't want the story out, which makes it even okay. more like. Ooh, this is really creepy. Okay. This is Lindsay's story. Um, she's the other Wild Mama Tribe founder. Here it goes. 
So when my husband and I were dating, his mom had a friend whose house was haunted. And she, it was confirmed. Uh, we saw pictures. There was, she had two girls and there was um, a boy in her picture hugging one of their dogs. And you can see it in the picture. It was like a white outline of a straight up boy. In the- Whoa. So oh, God. she just, looked- <laughs> we were just talking about that. This I know. It captured a picture of the freaking boy. Wow. I really I want to see I this picture. I know me too. I want to see it really bad. I'm going to ask her if she can, but okay, let me okay. press play. A picture. Um, so we were asked to house it and watch their cat. She had other animals, which were huge dog lovers, but she boarded the dogs and left us with this one cat that was like known to be evil. Like it attacked people. And my husband and I are both allergic to cats and I am afraid of cats for this reason. So when we agreed to this and we got to the house, we were going to be staying in a guest room which we went upstairs, we put our, you know, stuff in the guest room and we made sure that the door was shut. The cat was not in there because we're allergic and we didn't want this thing attacking us. Uh, so we went back down at the time we were smokers and drinkers. So, you know, we were outside having cigarettes and enjoying our cocktails. And- cocktails? <laughs> cocktails. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Every episode, we have to say cock at some point. It'll be like a drinking game. Everybody take a shot when you hear the word cock. It's it's already in motion. Okay, here I go. And when we came back inside, the cat like attacked my husband's legs, totally freaked us out. Um, and you know, after a couple more drinks, we decided to go upstairs and, you know, we were brushing our teeth, going to the bathroom, that whole thing. And we went into the guest room, which the door was still shut, um, went to go to sleep and we were both kind of like freaked out. You know, the alcohol was definitely taking the edge off of things, but I think lying in bed, we just kind of started to realize like, what did we agree to? We both got a little freaked out and, uh, it was October in New Jersey, so if you're not familiar with New Jersey weather, it can be very hot and cold, and it was kind of stuffy in the room. So he went to turn on the light to open up a window, and the cat was in our room, which really freaked us out because, you know, we were, like, totally made sure that door was shut so the cat wouldn't be in our room, and the cat was in there. So that was kind of, like, the first weird thing that happened we get the cat out and, um, you know, we're just kind of lying in bed and I started to cry. <laughs> I got like totally freaked out, just got really weird vibes. Every little creak that I heard, there was no TV in the room, which I think if there was a TV, maybe it would have helped a little bit, but I just started to cry and said like, I don't think I can spend three days here. Like I'm really freaked. So he's like, well, we have to, you know, we agreed to stay here, yada, yada, yada. So I was like, well, can we turn the light on at least? So we had the light on, went to sleep, must've dozed off. I was like in and out of sleep, but I woke up like around four or five o'clock to hearing like a kid crying and it wasn't like crying, like they were in pain or they were hurt. It was like a mocking cry, like a "Uh, almost like just making fun. Uh, so I didn't say anything to my husband. I was like 
freaked out. Um, and I figured <laughs> if we talked about it, it would just bring more awareness to it. So I live, or I worked very close to where this house was. So, you know, we got up, we got dressed, we like barely looked at each other. Mm-hmm. We didn't speak about anything. And we went to go outside to, you know, leave for work. And I was like, Hey, I heard somebody crying. And he was like, I did too. And it was like a make like a mocking cry. I was like, yes, I heard that too. So we're totally freaked out, go to work like zombies because we basically got no sleep. And the next night, which we had to go back, the next night we decided that we were going to sleep downstairs on the couch where there was a TV. So again, we made sure that we put the cat, they had like this little laundry room that the cat stayed in. So we put the cat in there. And we went to go to sleep, had the TV on. Of course, my husband falls asleep before me and I dozed off and I woke up to, it felt like there was somebody like on top of the couch, like drawing their fingernails up and down the couch. They weren't touching me or anything, but it was like a (laughs) sound. And I could feel the vibration of the couch, like moving, like someone was drawing their fingernails. So my first reaction was the cat got out. It's like sharpening its claws above my head. (laughs) And I look up and there's nothing there. So couldn't go back to sleep again, had to go to work. (laughs) Um, we had to go there again the next night, but we went, we tried to just like waste a lot of time. So we figured we'll just go there to sleep and, you know, we'll just try to be out of the house until we have to go there. Like try to make it the latest that we can get there. So we went over to my mother-in-law's house. Again, we were dating at the time. So this is where my husband lived. And, you know, this was her best friend and she was like fascinated by the whole thing. She thought it was really cool that we were staying there. However, she didn't want to come over and stay with us. But anyway, (laughs) so I tell her, you know, about the cat and I tell her about this thing happening above my head at the couch. And she just has this like blank look on her face. And I'm like, what's the matter? And she's like, oh, uh, so-and-so, I don't want to name her name. So-and-so didn't tell you about that. I'm like, about what? She's like, well, they say when the ghost is angry, he does that to their bed at night. Oh, God. Sleeping. Oh, God. <sighs> so I got really like, forget this, not going back, not staying there. Um, but we had to, we agreed to stay there. And the whole story with this ghost was that it was a teenage boy that, um, I believe his years and years ago, he had a little sister, um, and there was a lake behind this house and the sister drowned. And I don't know what happened to the boy, but supposedly he was the one that was haunting the house. And because he was a teenage boy, he would do these like pranks, like their phone would ring at a certain time every night and they would go to pick it up and it would just be white noise. Um, he would do certain things with like their coffee maker, uh, just weird things. So I was just totally freaked out, just did not want to go back there. And we had another night. So we went this time we invited my husband's uncle over, who's like about 10 years older than us to stay over. Uh, he thought the whole thing was funny. It was kind of like making jokes about it. And, you know, we just kept drinking cause we figured that was gonna just blur everything. Um, so that night we all slept in the same bed together because we were so freaked out and nothing really creepy happened the next night, except we just kept hearing footsteps, like somebody going up and down the steps. And again, we kept that cat in the laundry room. So it wasn't the cat. 
And then the next day was like our last day to stay there. And the one request that they had asked us was to check uh, a humidifier in the basement. We had to like dump the water out. So we went during the day (laughs) because we were just too afraid to go in the evening. And we went down into the basement, which wasn't finished. So that's creepy enough. And we went to turn on the light and the light bulb popped. It exploded. And we were just like, this is it. We can't stay here anymore. We were so tired. We hadn't gotten any sleep. So, you know, the people came home. Uh, We told them about our experiences. They thought it was hilarious because they were just so used to it. But they said that they had an issue that their toilet was broken. And, you know, they knew that my husband's uncle had come and stay. And my husband's uncle's this really big, tall, at the time he was pretty overweight, uh, big, tall guy. And they said, uh, was Phil's uncle in the bathroom because our toilet was completely broken. We're like, what do you mean? (laughs) Well, the toilet was pulled out of the wall in one of the bathrooms. And... There's no way he could have done that just by sitting on the toilet. It was like pulled and then slightly turned. So we have no idea how that happened. Um, But just being in that house, just, I just felt like just so much weird energy. And um, it was definitely one of the more creepier experiences of my life. And um, yeah, that's, that's my haunting story. Thank you, Lindsay, Thanks, for Lindsay. sending that in. <laughs> I, I, I love how terrified they were of the cat. <laughs> like more than the ghost. Yes. They were like, and it jumped on my legs. Like it attacked me. Sharpening its claws above my head. That is so freaking creepy. Ooh, oh, and, then, and then finding out the backstory that the little yes. sister had died and the, and the boy was – yeah, oh, uh, that is so. And then the boy, like, weird. it's interesting because a lot of people say when like a spirit leaves like this plane, mm-hmm. like there's no age to them. But how right. certain spirits, are, like, would it be an example here where like the spirits trapped because they're in the same age that they were when they died? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't that? necessarily, I don't believe that spirits get trapped really, um, okay. unless it's like a really fucked up situation. Um, but, and she did say she didn't know that how he died, but yeah, I know when I, when I give like mediumship readings, um, Mm -hmm. they'll choose like how they, how they step forward. I connected a, a child who had passed and he was actually showing that he was four. And he, mm-hmm. he ended up – he actually died when he was one, and that was three years ago. So he would have been oh, wow. four. So, um, yeah, it's interesting how they get to choose sort of how they how they step step forward. I wonder, like, it's, it's always the ones that seem to kind of be the same age as when they died that are doing yeah. the haunting. Yes, yeah. So I it's, a, it's almost like – like you, or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, you, you have to move, move on, you know, like they're not moving yeah. on. They're sort of stuck and not progressing. Um, yeah. yeah, it's really interesting, but okay. Hearing her story, it reminded me of, of my story. <laughs> so I'm going to really? tell it. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> it's not as like, you know, detailed. It's pretty short, but, um, 
just the, hearing her describe how she felt, I was like, oh my God, that's exactly how I felt. Um, so me and my husband, we got married in San Diego and, you know, we stayed at the resort we got married at. And then we were going to stay in San Diego for like a week and just have a little mini honeymoon. And we stayed in this, um, like Airbnb because it was less expensive than the like $300 a night resort. And so it, it ended up being like a little um, condo and it was like super cute, looked great on the outside. We got in, like everything was fine. And then at night, like when it was time to go to bed, I just could not shake this like creepy fucking feeling. And like we're both laying in bed. It's like, you know, midnight. And the the door, like we had closed the door and I would close my eyes to go to sleep. And every time I would open my eyes and it would open a little bit more. And I'm like, mm. what is going on? And I close my eyes and then I open them really quick because I get scared. And then it was open uh-huh. a little bit more. And shit. it scared the shit out of me. And like I just that feeling like that, that, sh- that Lindsay was talking about. I was terrified. Like you just know something feels fucked up in here. And mm. so I'm like – um, wake my husband up. I'm like, are you asleep? And he's he's like, no. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. And he's like, it's like really weird vibes in here. And, like, and as oh, soon God. as he said that, I started crying and I like jumped out of bed because if he's feeling it too, you know, he's like a grown man. He's pretty brave. <laughs> like he's very yeah. rational. I have a very vivid imagination. So sometimes it gets the best of me. But knowing that he was scared too, we like both jumped up and we're we're sitting on the couch, like watching TV. Apparently, that's where everyone goes when they're scared. Yeah. Where's the TV? Avoid. <laughs> yeah. And like we're just both sitting there, and we're just looking at each other. Like, why does it feel so weird in here? Like nothing else was going on, like physically besides the door. It was just a really uneasy feeling. Did you um, feel like you were being watched? Yes. Yeah. Like, and and how it was set up was like. Um, the, it was like a little, I don't know how to describe the the floor plan. Like the couch was like right, the kitchen was right behind us from the couch. So we had a lot of space behind us from the couch and that's exactly what it felt like. Like we kept like looking back, looking back and like nothing was there. Um, and so we like got up and we just like went outside on the balcony and we're like, we need to like get fresh air. And we're like, um, I was like thinking in my head, okay, maybe like he's not as scared as me. And then he's like, should we just drive home tonight? Aww. And I'm like, oh my God, you're like, and then I start bawling. And he's like, no, no, because he's like trying to not freak me out even more. <laughs> um, but Good he was hubby, he was obviously feeling it too, like feeling really weird. But I think he wasn't like explaining the full extent because he didn't want to freak me out even more. Mm-hmm. So we ended up falling asleep on the couch <laughs> with the TV oh. on. And then the next day we we left and we got a hotel. And and after we left, he was like, yeah, he was like, I was like very freaked out. Like Aww. the weirdest feeling ever. So that's my little story. But just oh. hearing Lindsay talk about like how internally like terrified she she felt, that's mm-hmm. exactly how I felt. It was so weird. And so this is definitely dark because, like, you've also experienced light. I've had those yes, little children yeah. spirits come to me. And, like, I've never felt that panic Yeah, in and it's that still way like, like, it's like, oh, God. Like, it still, like, shocks you because it's a mm-hmm. dead person. Right. But, like, it doesn't this, linger, though. Like, yeah. Like, this was a l- creepy lingering and, like, mm-hmm. ugh, even uneasy. just thinking about it. Yes, uneasy. 
definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely a haunting. That's the difference. I feel yeah. like, like you know, spirits are everywhere. We're walking, right. they're, they're yes. everywhere. But there's the difference between like the intention of the spirit, mm-hmm. I think, is maybe where totally. the energy draws. And we're going to get into some very bad intending spirits here <laughs> now. Yeah, I think mine are, they're all pretty bad. <laughs> all right. So I don't really have any personal haunting stories. I have experiences, but they're all kind of meh. I'll save them for other things. Um, this one is called The Bell Witch of Tennessee. You may or may not have heard of it. It's an 1800s Southern American folklore, but it's all based on real you know, events. So um, shall I begin? Yes. <laughs> okay. Are you muting yourself? I am. Yeah. I, I keep, I've, <laughs> I'm having like a weird acid thing. So I keep feeling like I'm going to burp and I don't want oh, no. <laughs> to like burp when the, I don't know what the issue is, but <laughs> that's why I keep muting. Let it out, girl. Just let it out. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm clearing my throat like an old lady who smokes. <clears throat> Maybe I'm being possessed. Uh, oh, God, don't say that. <laughs> you know what's weird, though? My dog, ever since I sat down with this um, recording thing open and have been researching this stuff since last night, mm-hmm. my dog is obsessively not leaving my side to the point where I had to bring her bed. It's right next to me now. Oh so if you hear gosh. her snoring, like wow. if I go to the bathroom, I'm tripping over her. And she's a bigger – she's like a medium-sized dog. She will not leave me alone. Usually Holy she's – cow. In the living room on the couch. So yeah. I don't know what's going on. If like, there's a clinger or something. She's protecting you. <laughs> Maybe. She's really worried about me. Anyway, all right. So this is the Bell Witch of Tennessee. I took the information from mentalfloss.com. Great name. Uh, all right. So this is taking place in the Red River bottomland in Robertson, Tennessee, which is today known as Adams. Basically, near Adams, Tennessee, there's a cave with a historical marker on a farm where the family of John Bell lived in the early 1800s. It was the scene of a series of mysterious manifestations that became known locally and nationwide as the Bell Witch Haunting. John Bell, his wife Lucy, their nine children, and a family of slaves moved to North Carolina in Tennessee around 1804. Bell bought up land and eventually accumulated over 300 acres. The property consisted of dark wooded areas, mm, a river, and a cave. In 1817, the family began to experience unexplained phenomena that were often centered around Bell's daughter, Betsy. She's a key figure in this, so keep her name in the back of your mind. Um, They would hear a strange tapping and a faint singing voice, identified as that of an old woman, although they couldn't understand the words. It often sounded somewhat prayer-like. The Bell children, three more were born while they lived in Tennessee, were awakened at night by something pulling at their bed covers and sounds of something similar to that of rats chewing the bedposts. On one occasion, John Bell encountered a strange animal in his fields, described as having the body of a dog and the head of a rabbit. Despite nighttime hunting expeditions, they never caught the animal. As time went on, the family was plagued by persistent loud pounding on the outside of their cabin. Betsy, the daughter, was frequently attacked in her sleep, encounters which left bruises and welts on her face. Initially... Yeah, it, it gets worse. Oh, Initially, John Bell prohibited the family from sharing what was happening with anyone else, but in desperation, he himself told his friend and neighbor, James Johnston, about the haunting. Johnston and his wife spent a night in the Bell home just to see and experience noises, moving objects, and even having their own bed covers removed throughout the night. Oh, After having his bed covers taken from him and being slapped repeatedly by an <gasps> invisible entity... Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Johnston shouted, in the name of the Lord, who are you and what do you want? 
name yourself. (laughs) If only he would have said that, but he didn't. He just asked what she wanted. Um, So there was no response to that, but the remainder of the night was relatively peaceful in comparison. Okay, wait. Can I go to the bathroom? I'm sorry. (laughs) Don't pee yourself. Okay. Now I'm the one who burped. <laughs> She's peeing so she can't hear me. After all that, I was the one who burped oh on air. Oh my god, how funny. <laughs> That's all I Luckily means. you weren't there to hear it. Dang it, I missed it. That is so funny. Okay, oh, I'm sorry. Let it flow. That's all right. <clears throat> okay. All right, as the voice grew louder and more confident, the family could tell the witch was quoting scripture and singing hymns. So interesting. She's a witch. (laughs) Over time, she began addressing family members by name. She loathed John Bell and vowed to kill him. The witch also spoke to the daughter, Betsy, and warned her against marrying her intended named Joshua Gardner. (laughs) Uh, The story of the Bell Witch spread throughout the community, and in 1818, John Bell was excommunicated from his church. The official reason was a charge of usury over a slave sale, but some think the supernatural events were the actual catalyst. In 1819, General Andrew Jackson paid a visit to the Bell homestead. The three eldest Bell sons served under him during the Battle of New Orleans, and he had heard the story of the Bell Witch. Jackson had a horse-drawn wagon and several men with him. As they approached the farm, the wagon stopped and the horses could not pull it from its position. After trying to get the wagon going for some time, Jackson exclaimed, By the eternal! Boys, it is the witch! (laughs) And then, (laughs) and then, a disembodied female voice was heard saying, All right, General, let the wagon move on. I will see you again tonight. Oh, God. (laughs) You have a great witch voice. <laughs> it must come from somewhere deep inside. <laughs> and the horses were able to pull the wagon again. One of the men in the group claimed to be a witch tamer, and he brandished a pistol with a silver bullet. He proclaimed that it would kill any evil spirit it came in contact with. As nothing notable had happened since hearing the woman's voice, he announced that it was because of his very silver bullet that the spirit was frightened and letting them be. <laughs> now wait, you little witch tamer. Almost immediately after announcing this, the man screamed and began jerking his body in different directions, complaining that he was being severely beaten. A strong, swift kick to his posterior region from an invisible foot <laughs> sent him shooting out the front door. It was... <laughs> It's like a comedy show. It was then the entity spoke for a second time, stating that there was still another fraud in the party to be dealt with by the following evening. At this, Jackson's men begged to leave, though they were slated to remain for a week. What happened next is not clear, but by early the next morning, the group was spotted in nearby Springfield, making their way a great distance from the farm. As time went on, John Bell referred to the witch as Kate. The rapping voices and attacks continued for years. John Bell had been experiencing unexplainable ailments, including facial twitching and difficulty swallowing, that seemed to worsen over time. By the fall of 1820, he was confined to the house, where the entity would remove his shoes if he even attempted to walk. She'd slap his face while he was experiencing seizures. There was no mistaking her loud howling throughout the farm as she cursed and chastised old John Bell as she referred to him. 
In December of 1820, John fell into a coma and died the following day at the age of 70. Immediately after his death, the family found a mysterious vial of liquid in the room where Belle's body lay. They fed the liquid inside of it to the cat, who immediately died. Oh, then, God. Why would oh. they do that? <laughs> Just here, test this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's Poor awful. Baby. I know. Then the witch's voice took credit for Belle's death. The witch reportedly laughed and sang constantly one song about a bottle of brandy during Belle's burial on the farm, only stopping once the final visitor had left. So many, many people have heard her, apparently, and she's, you know, quite brazen. A year later, in April of 1821, the voice warned Belle's widow, Lucy, that she would return from more haunting in seven years. Aside from this, the entity's presence was almost non-existent since John Bell's demise. Seven years later... As she said, in 1828, the manifestation made her last reported appearances in discussions with John Bell Jr., so John Bell's son. It said that she would have deep conversations with him about religion, the origin of life, and even spiritual awakening. Most notable was her accurate prediction of the Civil War and other events surrounding it. The tales of the Bell Witch haunting were passed down from source to source within the family before being written finally in a book in 1894. So some details vary. There is some speculation that the manifestations may have been a ruse to break up the relationship between Betsy Bell and her fiancé, Joshua Gardner. The witch was strongly opposed to the marriage, and Betsy ended the relationship in 1821 out of fright. In 1824, she married her schoolteacher, Richard Powell. Powell had known the family a long time. He began teaching in the area in 1815 and soon developed a liking for Betsy, his student, 11 years his junior. He became friends with Betsy's parents and was a frequent visitor of the Bell home. It wasn't long after that that the mysterious noises began. Some believed it was Powell that began the manifestations. It was rumored that he had been a student of the occult. Powell's first wife mysteriously and coincidentally died in 1821, the very same year Betsy ended her engagement to Gardner. Side note, apparently the Blair Witch Project is based off of the Bell Witch haunting. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then recently, so it's it's like a well-known haunting. Um, so recently right. um, there's a clairvoyant, Sarah Julaney Pugh. Pugh? P-U-G-H? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say Pugh. I think it's Pugh. <laughs> uh, she lives in fecal. West <laughs> <laughs> of Uranus. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, she's better known as Angel Lee. She's a clairvoyant from Mississippi, and she's actually – she had worked with A&E, the channel in the States, um, and she oh, went okay. to the farm where she claimed to, sp- to speak directly to Betsy herself. So this mm. is all detailed in a book. Uh, she claims that the Bells weren't cursed, but in fact the land they chose to settle on in Adams was cursed land, and when they disturbed the land, the curse was set into motion. So it wasn't that they were personally cursed. It was just that they kind of – stirred up, I guess, you know, whatever. But Pew also says that the spirit that tortured Betsy Bell and the rest of her family and even their slaves um, on that pioneer farm nearly 200 years ago wasn't actually responsible for John Bell's death. She claims a slave killed John Bell, poisoning him because he could not protect his then 11-year-old daughter Betsy from another family member who was actually sexually abusing her at the time. Um, And then Pew says, I had to give this girl a voice. We had to bring the story to light. We couldn't keep sweeping it under the rug. So, yeah, she's agreeing that there was a haunting and that this witch was haunting them, but that she wasn't the one who killed the guy. Um, But anyway, you can actually go visit this place uh, and the nearby cave and everything. They reconstructed the cabin and a lot of the items in it are actually like the actual items from the house. So it's pretty cool. And then the book, um, the the 
the most interesting book, the first one published that I mentioned in 1894, it's called An Authenticated History of the Famous Bell Witch, and you can get it online. So anyway, that's the story of the Bell Witch of Tennessee. <laughs> that's really neat, especially that that's who the, the Blair Witch is um, based off of. I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, the, the, the Bell Witch, yeah, that creepy, sinister, evil old hag that just kind of yeah. wears around and tries to kill people. Ooh. So weird. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so yours is not really um, a ghost. Yeah. Let me tell you how I got pulled down this rabbit hole. <laughs> okay. So I was, I was, I've always been fascinated by um, the whole Amityville um, incident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and, you know, when I was younger, I'd seen all the like remakes of the movies, but the original story, you know, sort of just fascinated me because this whole family lived in this house. They were like normal. They were totally fine. Um, And then the older brother who was like 23 apparently killed everyone um, in it. And then, you know, people had moved in after and, you know, of course they experienced all the like haunting and stuff. But one of the things I read is that um, someone – the, like one of the first people, I think it was a couple that that moved in there. They had noticed that the she had noticed that the man, her, her husband, had been acting like weird, mm-hmm. um, like not like himself. And so I was like, "Huh, was he possessed?" And then I got pulled down this whole rabbit hole of like <laughs> possessions and all that stuff. But um, so it started out haunting, <laughs> and then I got <laughs> pulled down this rabbit hole. Um, okay, so I have two. Um, possession stories. Okay. And the first one, actually, I didn't even realize it until the end. So her name is Anna Eklund. And this this was the movie that, or, you know, the movie The Exorcist, Ooh. the like main movie. This is who it was actually based oh, off okay. of. Um, and this very famous Catholic priest who, who performed like hundreds of exorcisms. Um, what is his name? Theophilus Reisner was his name. But I guess he was like very famous and he was actually on the cover of Time magazine really? in 1936, Whoa. labeling him a potent and mystic exorcist of demons. <laughs> okay, so let me read her story. Okay, from the age 14, Anna had grown an aversion to holy objects and an obsession with deprived sexuality. Oh gosh, okay. it's me. I, I would make a joke about <laughs> me. I know. <laughs> Oh, God, I'm possessed. (laughs) Oh, God, it's terrible. (laughs) While raised in a Catholic household in Marathon, Wisconsin, she found herself unable to enter churches as an unseen force held her back. Upon receiving the Mother Superior's permission, the reverends brought Anna to the convent on August 17, 1928. She immediately refused food that had been blessed and could sense when holy water had been sprinkled in it ahead of time, to the point that she would hiss in aversion. The first of three exorcism sessions began on um, Eklund the next day, as she was bound to an iron bed to prevent any tricks. With years of experience, Reisinger, the like head honcho mm-hmm. exorcist guy, also fully expected her to attack during the ceremony. So he also had the strongest sisters on standby to assist. Yet nothing had prepared the reverence for what happened next. As they spoke the prescribed prayers to start, Anna sank into a deep sleep with her eyes shut impossibly tight. 
Then, as they officially began the rite of exorcism, she leapt into the air, ripped through the restraints, and clung to the wall above the room's door. Like, just picture that shit in your mind. No, I don't want to. (laughs) I cannot get that image out. Theophilus alone seemed un... What is this word? Unperturbed? Unperturbed. And had the sisters drag Anna from the wall into the bed, restraining her even as she made inhuman howls that would last through the end of the session on August 26th. Over the following two sessions from September 13th to the 20th of... No, September 13th to the 20th and December 15th to the 23rd. So this was a long mm-hmm. process. Eklund deteriorated fast. Although she seemed to eat less and less, she regularly vomited impossible amounts during the exorcism, including tobacco leaves and other debris. At the same time, the demon inside of Anna began to physically change and distort her body. Not only did her head swell and elongate, but her face became so disfigured that few recognized the humble woman who had arrived at the convent. By the end, she had become a pale, death-like figure, her body emaciated and her eyes often glowing like red embers. As the exorcism progressed, Eklund's behavior also changed, the hellish creature within her revealing themselves in full. She began, this is so gross, she began to defecate impossible amounts of shit and urine. They actually said shit in the article? (laughs) Yes, they said it. It in urine on top of the vomit that seemed to come from hell itself. Sounds like a bad day after a binger or hanging out with a toddler. I know. (laughs) So gross. Okay. Anna also responded to the priest's actions with vitriol. I should really learn how to read before. Foaming. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Foaming at the mouth in rage whenever Reisinger spoke Latin blessings. On the occasion, her body even expanded to twice its normal size, causing the sisters in the room to wince in fear of the women, the woman bursting. Oh, that's so gross. Anna also spoke in languages she had never heard before and could list, this is really creepy, she could list the childhood sins of the nuns and priests around her. In a short time, several sisters asked to leave their home for a less troubled con- yeah. a less troubled convent. They're like, peace yeah. out. By the final session... She exuded an inhuman odor of rot, even as hordes of flies appeared and disappeared around her. Her body seemed to turn into stone at times, especially her abdomen and extremities, which pressed upon the iron rod bed frame and such weight that it bent. Her her once soft voice often sank into a guttural growl capable of creating impossible sounds. Even as she slept, the creatures came to the surface, whispering without moving her lips. Oh. oh, God. Blaspheming God and verbally assaulting anyone in the room. Hope remained, though, as Anna could be brought back to her senses by blessed or holy objects. With the demons identified, the exorcism would soon come to an end mm-hmm. on December 23rd, 1928. Um, so they, let's see. Okay. Afterwards, the possessed Anna Eklund stood upright on her bed and collapsed, screaming at the top of her lungs, um, Beelzebub, Judas, Jacob, Mina, hell, hell, hell. After several repetitions, (laughs) after several repetitions, an unearthly stench (laughs) passed through the room. (laughs) I can't get over that. 
<laughs> oh my God. And Anna opened her eyes. Then she spoke in a clear voice for the first time in many months. My Jesus mercy, praise oh be God. Jesus Christ. After the 23 days that combined sessions of the of the right had lasted, damn, 23 days, the exorcism was over and the devils had been returned to hell. In the years to come, Eckland was able to live a relatively peaceful existence with her identity concealed. The only trouble she had were a few myholder possessions, just a little possession here and there, <laughs> as one or two spirits temporarily returned. And that, wow. yeah, that's pretty <laughs> much it. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, first of all, disgusting. Okay, wait. No, and then it says, as accounts of the case established it as the classic American exorcism, um, Reisinger became a world-renowned exorcist before passing in 1941. And that was sort of, um, you know, the, the priest in the movie, the, mm-hmm. the exorcist, that's sort of who it's, right. it's based on, that Reisinger guy. So if they're um, demons, yeah, I don't understand. So fascinating. Like, you imagine a demon as being like so powerful, like, you know, whatever they are. How when mm-hmm. they get trapped inside a body of a, you know, a, a female, just as an example here, like, yeah. are they so bound to that that they can't – you would think they have the power to like, I'm just going to kill everyone well, I, in this room, you know? I mean, I don't know much about demons. True. Yeah. True. I feel like it's sort of similar to – like, you know, okay, because obviously you need a body to like create any sort right. of harm. <laughs> but but it is interesting because I also read that a lot of times they, they mostly choose young females, yeah. which I have a theory on this. <laughs> What's your theory? Um, well, let me read the other possession story. Oh, first. Okay, okay. <laughs> because this one, okay, have you ever seen that movie, um, The Exorcism of Emily Rose? Yes. Okay, yeah. I, it came out like a really long time ago. I remember I saw it in the movie theater with a friend and like my life was ruined after I saw it. I was like so terrified. Um, okay, so all, that's – They blend all together to me. So is that yeah, what you're going to talk so, about? Well, yeah. But I'm going to um, just sort of briefly go over the real story because it was based off of a, a girl named Annalise uh, Michael. Okay, cool. Um, okay, let's see. So Annalise Michael grew up devoutly Catholic. There's always like a Catholic mm-hmm. <laughs> underlying. Um, in Bavaria, West Germany in the 1960s, where she attended mass twice a week. When Annalise was 16, she suddenly blacked out at school and began walking around dazed. So interesting that this happened when she was 16. Mm-hmm. The other one started happening when she was 14. Mm-hmm. Um Though Annalise did not remember the event, her family and friends said she looked like she was in a trance-like state. A year later, Annalise experienced a similar occurrence where she woke up in a trance and wet her bed. Her body also went through a series of convulsions, causing her to shake uncontrollably. After the second time, Annalise visited a neurologist who diagnosed her with temporal lobe epilepsy, a disorder that causes seizures, loss of memory, and experiencing visual and auditory hallucinations. Temporal lobe epilepsy can also cause Geijwin syndrome, a disorder marked by hyper-religiosity? What? Religiosity? Is that a word? Yeah, I get, yeah. Religiosity. So wait, being hyper-religious can actually lead to a disorder? Yes, I guess so, in your temporal lobe. (laughs) Oh, now everything makes sense. I know. It, it totally makes sense now. Wow. 
My life has changed forever. Okay. After her diagnosis, Annalise began taking medication for her epilepsy and enrolled in the University of Würzburg in 1973. However, the drugs she was being given failed to help her, and as the years progressed, her be- her condition began to t- deteriorate. Though she was still taking her medication, Annalise began to believe that she was possessed by a demon and that she needed to find a solution outside of medicine. She began to see the face of the devil wherever she went, and she said she heard demons whispering in her ears. When she heard demons telling her she was damned and she would rot in hell while she was praying, she concluded that the devil must be possessing her. Annalise sought out priests to help her with the demonic possession, but all the clergy she approached rejected her request, saying that she should seek medical help and that they needed the permission of a bishop anyway. So they were like, no, you're not. It's almost like they didn't believe her, you know? At this point, Annalise's delusions became extreme. Believing she was possessed, she ripped off the clothes on her body, con- wait, compulsively performed up to 400 squats a day. Damn, she just joined a CrossFit gym or something. <laughs> Could she be my trainer, please? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Crawled under, under wow. the table and barked like a dog for two days. She also ate spiders and coal, bit the head off a dead bird, and oh. licked her own urine from the floor. Ew. That's fucked up. Finally, she and her mother found a priest after that who believed yeah. in her possession. She stated that she didn't look like an epileptic. Oh my god, I can't say it. Epileptic in later <laughs> court documents. Okay, and the pictures we'll po- we'll post pictures on Instagram, but they are like so creepy. And there's also a recording of her voice that's like terrifying, <sighs> terrifying. Annalise wrote. I am nothing. Everything about me is vanity. What should I do? I have to improve. You pray for me. And also she once told the priest, I want to suffer for other people, but this is so cruel. Um, Okay. So they found a local bishop who eventually approved the request. Over the next 10 months, following the bishop's approval of Annalise's exorcism, the two priests conducted 67 exorcisms, lasting up to four hours each on the young woman. Through the sessions, Annalise revealed that she believed she was possessed by five demons, Lucifer, Cain, Judas, Icariot, Adolf Hitler, and Nero. Um, okay, all these spirits would jostle her body, um, communicate from her mouth with a low growl. I want to play this real audio. Should I try it? From your computer? Yeah, or will it try? will it not work? You have to unplug okay. your headphones for a minute. Okay, let me try. Can you hear it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, oh my god. So creepy. (laughs) Okay, yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah. Really creepy. See, when you're telling me about her symptoms, I'm thinking like she's clearly schizophrenic. But then if if there are physical things happening that can't be explained or aligned with like the symptoms of schizophrenia, then you start to question like – Right, like mental (laughs) – Yeah. Yeah, I know. But that that I couldn't make those sounds if I wanted to. No, I know. I mean, maybe I can. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> I have the devil inside me. 
but she ended up um, dying. She just, she stopped eating. She was like 87 pounds. And so she died of malnutrition and dehydration in 1976. Um, And so then the whole like, you know, court thing came out and I think they ended up charging um, the people involved with like negligence or something. Mm -hmm. But I just thought it was so interesting because a lot of the like possession stories happen to like young girls. Devout Um, young girls. Yes. Yeah. Which is fascinating. And And the witch trials, it was also young girls. Yes, true. Hmm. And it was always the church. Like it yeah. always had to do with the church. Right. Hmm. And then I was doing all this research about um, like poltergeist stuff because it, it sounds like similar. And um, in all the stuff I was reading says that teens are like very, very susceptible to weird dark energy because like – all the hormonal changes and like the emotional changes and like, you know, they're like high vibe and then low vibe and then high vibe. And it's like a roller coaster. Um, and there's also a, a tie to, I can't remember which story it was, but after doing like a lot of research, one of them was like sexually abused when she was younger. And so there's also Mm -hmm. a theme of like trauma, um, sort of trauma. And there's this book called The Rational Psychic um, that I really, really like. And it's by, it's written by a psychic medium, but he's like very rational, (laughs) obviously. (laughs) Um, And his whole theory, he talks about this thing called um, recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis, which is basically Mm. where your... um, subconscious mind like makes stuff happen makes mm-hmm. it can make stuff move and like move things across the room kind of like telekinesis mm-hmm. um and it's like i mean psychologists they've like studied it and have seen yeah. people do it and so he the the man who wrote this book also did um paranormal investigation for like a really long time mm-hmm. and every single house he went to after talking to the person, you know, that that said they were being possessed by a demon or having all these poltergeist issues or hauntings, um, he every he always found some sort of like weird trauma that that went on, like of like a tragedy or like when they were a kid or like some sort of unresolved thing. Um, and it's sort of like manifested in this like dark, dark energy. So crazy. <laughs> That's really a, a really fascinating way to look at it. Like the trauma yeah. that we don't heal in ourselves, right. yeah. it actually has power of its own if yes. not attended to yeah. or acknowledged. Yeah, it can have power over us. Yeah. Wow. Um, and he said in especially he, – he, he found like a, um, a connection between like how buried the, the trauma was to how bad the the – activity, possession, that kind of thing. So like with how deep stuff in our subconscious. Like yes, an, exactly. Awareness. Yeah. So stuff like um, childhood abuse, especially if like the parents did it or something like that, mm-hmm. would often manifest as like people would wake up um, with like scratches all over their body. And Aww. he actually talks about a story where he was sitting right there in front of someone and just saw the scratches go on their body. Like the person didn't um, touch, touch themselves at all. And he saw the scratches appear and that's, um, spontaneous psychokinesis. Like it, it happens. 
people don't even touch their body and they like bruises, scratches, cuts. It's, it's like really heartbreaking. It's so sad. But he said, you know, these people that, you know, if they go to like deep, deep therapy and yeah. fix, you know, heal their wounds, then then it stops. But and then We're it, all just I feel so like, fragile and delicate. I know, and we it's, are. It's so upsetting, like, like how things get repressed. We're resilient, but but we're still, yeah, totally. Oh, children. I want to save them all. I know. And it, it makes it's, – it's sad too because these, you know, young girls who are possessed, mm-hmm. instead the parents are like, you know, they're blamed for it. Right. <laughs> instead of like who knows like what sort of trauma they, mm-hmm. they experienced. Yeah, but. and they go to the church to do whatever, you know, which right. in the case of the last girl you talked about, I mean – I, I remember reading about that story and that she was like dehydrated and, and malnourished. Mm-hmm. Like she hadn't been provided food and they would say, well, we tried, but she would refuse it. Well, right. there comes a point where you need to intervene Yeah, to save a child's life. Yeah. And I think they, they purposely try to like weaken the body yeah. to, to get the demon out of it. But um, really, really sad, that yeah. story with Emily Rose and Absolutely. yeah. But I just thought that was fascinating, the whole, you know, teenage thing yeah. and the trauma link. So heal your trauma, exactly. you guys. It's, it's a really good message for everyone to just bring that up, whether it's a haunting or not. Yeah. Like we, we, are, we haunt ourselves. Our own feelings yes. haunt us. Our unprocessed yes. emotions, the pain that we forgot about because we've repressed it so deep in the crevices yes. of our minds, like it all, it needs to come out, unfortunately. And it's not easy and it's painful, but it's better than, you know, right. the other alternative. Yeah, it has to come out of your body somehow, yeah. like whatever the, the form it manifests yeah, And in, related but. to that is like, is like somatic complaints or like physical symptoms. Like we're all so mm-hmm. sick, you know, whether some of us could be like, right. you know, the, the best, the healthiest people yet we have these ill illnesses. And that's also a manifestation of trauma and of yes. pain and unprocessed emotions. Yeah. Think about. Totally. Yeah. Deep. Very. Sorry. Deep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yes, we're a spiritual and also society and culture podcast in case you yes. didn't know. <laughs> All the realms, you know, literally. Oh, <laughs> but, so we have some fun, not fun. I mean, they're creepy, but they're quick, like tiny little stories that I've pulled from all over the interwebs. Okay. All right, The Eerie Attic. This one's from Reader's Digest. Okay. It seems so cliche to start by saying, I don't believe in ghosts, but dot, dot, dot. However, that's where I'm coming from. A few years ago, I moved into a one-bedroom apartment in Melbourne, Australia. It was my first time living on my own. The apartment block had been built in the 1930s. I'd been there for a few months when I came home from work one day and went into the bathroom. I saw something strange. The wooden board covering a hole in the ceiling that led to a small attic space lay broken in two pieces on the ground. I examined the broken pieces. The board was an inch thick, and it would have taken a Bruce Lee to break it. I thought the landlord had sent (laughs) someone to work in the attic. I was frozen stiff with fear. I thought, someone is up there for sure. I emailed pictures to the landlord asking if anyone had been there with an undertone of annoyance since she hadn't warned me. Her reply read, please call me as soon as you are able to. I called and she explained that her last two tenants had had the same thing happen. She promised to replace the board and she did. A month later, I woke up one night around 4 a.m. I had so many goosebumps. It felt like someone was rubbing his or her hands on me. Everything was silent, but then I heard the sound coming from above my head. It was a dragging sound, like someone pulling a sack of potatoes. I was frozen stiff with fear. I thought, someone is up there for sure. There is no way an animal could make that sound. After five minutes, I managed to work up the courage to turn on the light and walk to the bathroom. 
bathroom. I was armed with a cricket bat. When I looked, <laughs> I saw that the new board covering the hole was broken in two. I felt sick. Wow. The dragging sound had stopped, but I heard something else, whispering. The sound was clear and coming from the attic. It sounded like children's voices, and I could hear one sentence repeated over and over. It's your turn. It's your turn. Oh, God. I switched on every light in the apartment to make things feel normal. It was 5 a.m. and dark outside. I watched TV to try to unwind. Then a fuse blew. My pet budgie. I don't know what that is but whatever. Dexter. <laughs> that sounds, it's cute though. I know. My pet budgie called Dexter, <laughs> whom I kept in the kitchen, usually never made a sound at night, but he started squawking like he was being strangled. I'd never heard him make those sorts of noises. He was screaming. I grabbed my car keys and ran out, sat in my car and waited there until the sun came up. But what about Dexter? I know. Why did you take Seriously? him? Why are people so mean to their animals? Uh, a whole nother episode. Anyway, yeah. when I saw yeah. people walking their dogs, this comforted me enough to go back in. The front door was open, but I thought I hadn't closed it when I I'd run out. I went to the kitchen to check on Dexter and he wasn't in his cage. I felt sick again. All my windows were closed. So I looked everywhere inside. When I walked to the bathroom, I heard splashing. Dexter was half drowned in the toilet. I took him out, oh washed my him God. and dried him. I was so confused. At 8 a.m. I called the landlord and gave her a watered down version of the night. Oh, wow. You heard the whispering too, she said. <gasps> I stayed in the apartment for another 18 months. I heard the whispering on a few occasions and twice the board covering the hole in the ceiling moved. Although I've lived elsewhere, the landlord recently called. She said that her new tenants had begged to speak with me about some of the stuff that's been going on there. Forget oh my it. God. It's their problem now. <laughs> this guy's a piece of work. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's really, really creepy. All right, you want to read okay, that? Okay, I'm going to read one. My okay. kids are starting to run okay. around upstairs. All right. Okay. This is creepy. The boy with no eyes. Okay. <sighs> One night when I was 10, I was woken up in my by my bedroom door opening, followed by someone sitting on my bed. I felt my leg grazed and the bed sank, un sank under the person's weight. Thinking it was my mom, I opened my eyes to see an eyeless boy. Oh, God. He had black, empty eye sockets. About my age, sitting at the foot of my bed, he extended his hand, and in it was a little box. I was startled but reached out. He pulled back. I reached again and said, give it. <laughs> then I blinked, and when I reopened my eyes, he was gone. But the imprint of someone sitting on my bed was still present. Fast forward five years. My girlfriend came over to do homework. After she finished, she took a nap while we waited for her parents. When they arrived, I tried waking her up. Oh, God, I'm scared. She opened her eyes suddenly, looking at the corner where the wall met the ceiling. She pointed there and went back to sleep. I shook her again. She came to full consciousness, and I explained what she'd done. She said, up on the wall, I saw a little boy with no eyes. He was there in a Spider-Man pose staring at me. Oh, my God. I freaked out and told her my story about the same kid. Fuck. Fast forward another five years. I was with the same girlfriend. Oh, that's cute. Aww. They stayed together. <laughs> oh, and we had a two-year-old. Aww. Aww. Okay. We were living in my parents' house in my old room. My daughter started waking up at the same time every night, and she'd talk. After a while, I noticed she had almost the same conversation every night. I playfully asked her once whom she was talking to. She said, it's a little boy. He's nice. He's lost and looking for his mommy. 
My daughter's nightly conversations continued until we got our own place years later. Ooh. That is like so I I will not be able to remove those images from my mind. <laughs> the eyeless boy like Spider-Man on the wall. Oh, it's like your yes. demon. It's like your possession. Yes. God, that's terrible. <laughs> the kids never seem afraid though. I know. Well, and I wonder if maybe he had eyes when she saw him. Uh. Like it, I don't know. It's maybe he he looked nicer for yeah, her, maybe. but that's Probably. so fucking creepy. Oh my god. Okay, wow. So do you want to end it since you have to go and then I can just read the other yeah. stories and kind of. All right, this one's from hauntedrooms.co.uk. The short tale starts benignly enough with a friendly seeming ghost playing with children. Mm, but when you learn the origins of the ghost and just why the ghost is moving the object around the room, it quickly gets a lot creepier. The story begins, when my sister Betsy and I were kids, our family lived for a while in a charming old farmhouse. We loved exploring its dusty corners and climbing the apple tree in the backyard. But our favorite thing was the ghost. We called her mother because she seemed so kind and nurturing. Some mornings, Betsy and I would wake up and on each of our nightstands, we'd find a cup that hadn't been there the night before. Mother had left them there, worried that we'd get thirsty during the night. She just wanted to take care of us. Among the home's original furnishings was an antique wooden chair, which we kept against the back wall of the living room. Whenever we were preoccupied, watching TV or playing a game, Mother would inch that chair forward across the room toward us. Sometimes she'd manage to move it all the way to the center of the room. We always felt sad putting it back against the wall. Mother just wanted to be near us. Years later, Long after we'd moved out, I found an old newspaper article about the farmhouse's original occupant, a widow. Get ready for this. She'd murdered her two children by giving them each a cup of poisoned milk before bed. Then she hung herself. The article included a photo of the farmhouse's living room with a woman's body hanging from the beam. Beneath her, knocked over, was that old wooden chair placed exactly in the center of the room. Ooh, I have such goosebumps. I wish Cassie was here. <laughs> All right. Um, quick one. Also from the same website. Uh, last night, a friend rushed me out of the house to catch the opening act of a local bar's music night. After a few drinks, I realized my phone wasn't in my pocket. I checked the table. We were sitting at the bar, the bathrooms, and after no luck, I used my friend's phone to call mine. After two rings, someone answered, gave out a low raspy giggle, and hung up. They didn't answer again. I eventually gave it up as a lost cause and headed home. I found my phone laying on my nightstand right where I left it. All right. So that's the episode. Thanks for listening. If you want to send your story, then please email it to wildstoriespodcast at gmail.com. And if you leave a rating for us on iTunes or podcasts app, then we'll enter you to win some merch. Then tune in each week, midweek. Uh, when we post our new episodes to see when your outlandish or otherworldly tale will be featured. Until then, stay open and stay wild. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Always with the giggles. <laughs> I know.